this week's episode, Marina Guimarães interviewed Michael Kugelman, an expert whose focus is South Asia. We discussed China and Taliban, what we can expect for the future of their relations, and how the fight against potential terrorist threats can make the U.S. and China work together. Stay tuned. This is Marina Guimarães for Wikistrat. Our podcast discusses global events that might affect political scenarios across the globe. This week's topic is China and Taliban relations and what we can expect for the future of Afghanistan. To talk about it, we invited Mr. Michael Kugelman. Mr. Kugelman is the Asia Program Deputy Director and Senior Associate for South Asia at the Woodrow Wilson Center. His research focuses mainly in Pakistan, India, Afghanistan, and U.S. foreign policy that involves these countries. Mr. Kugelman, it's very nice to have you here. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be here with you. So, um, how was uh, how was China and Taliban relations before the troop withdrawal? So over the last few years, um, and in fact, well before the U.S. troop withdrawal, uh, Beijing had very quietly, but nonetheless, um, determinedly been reaching out to the Taliban and trying to establish an unofficial, but nonetheless, um, stable relationship. So there'd been a series of meetings between Chinese leaders and Taliban leaders. And there was a lot of headlines in recent weeks when there was this big meeting of uh, Taliban representatives visiting China uh, just a few weeks ago. But that was not the first time that it happened. In fact, if you go back about two years to 2019, that was at least one other occasion where you had a very senior Taliban delegation come to China. And I think that Beijing was really doing what many other key regional players have done in the last few years, and that is to have read the writing on the wall and recognize that whatever was going to happen in the future in Afghanistan, that the Taliban would remain a very potent and influential and significant player, both politically and militarily. And I think that China concluded that it was important to establish channels of communication with the Taliban so that it would be in a better position to essentially to convey its interests and its objectives in Afghanistan. And that's essentially what's led to things to how they've been, where, again, we're not talking about a formal, normalized relationship between China and Taliban, but certainly a, a level of engagement that had entailed a comfort level between the two sides, which clearly will be an advantage now with the Taliban in control in Afghanistan. So basically, the foreign troops, when they left Afghanistan, they created this vacuum that is now being explored by China. So on the one hand, their number one rival is out, so the U.S. is out. But on the other hand, Afghanistan and China share a border. Can this create some kind of security issue in this border between Afghanistan and China. Yeah, I think you've hit on a very important point in your suggestion that uh, China could face security risks along its border with the U.S. withdrawal. I think that China, along with other key U.S. competitors in the region like Russia and Iran, certainly recognize the U.S. departure as a strategic victory of sorts just because you know China's big uh, competitor has left Afghanistan and has left the neighborhood. Clearly, that's a strategic victory, or if nothing else, a strategic opportunity for China to fill that vacuum. But indeed, the you know the withdrawal of U.S. forces has left Afghanistan in a position where terrorism threats will will strengthen, especially even with the Taliban in control. 
the Taliban has indicated that it's not going to let any actor use Afghan soil to cause instability. But let's be very clear, uh, who, who's going to trust the Taliban to crack down on terrorists on, on their soil? And with U.S. forces on the ground, I would not by any means argue that America was a stabilizer just because the Taliban had been able to gain a lot of ground and new terrorism threats, including ISIS Khorasan, emerged with U.S. forces on the ground. However, the U.S. with boots on the ground was in a position to work with Afghan security forces prior to the Taliban takeover to target terrorist threats through airstrikes, mainly uh, against ISIS, Khorasan, and Al-Qaeda. And without U.S. forces there, it's going to be a lot more difficult for the U.S. to go after terrorists. They'll have to use uh, capacities that are over the horizon, as the term goes, meaning they'll have to use existing military facilities in the Middle East as launching pads for surveillance opportunities and potential actual airstrikes against terrorist groups. So basically, for China, what this means is that, yes, there's a strategic victory, a strategic opportunity with U.S. forces gone. But at the same time, China's interests have arguably taken a bit of a hit just because of the likelihood that terrorism threats will worsen and broader destabilization in Afghanistan could impact China indirectly, if not directly, given that China worries a lot about several key terrorist groups in Afghanistan, certainly ISIS being one of them, but ETIM, which is mainly comprised of Uyghur militants, being another. China, I think, worries that without that on-the-ground U.S. counterterrorism capacity, Chinese interests could suffer a security interest. But on the other hand, there is a present issue in China with the Uyghur minority. And I'm curious about how the Taliban will deal with this. Will it just turn a blind eye to this Muslim minority that suffers in the hands of the Chinese government? Yes, that's a great question. It is notable that in recent months, uh, we've seen a number of Islamist uh, militant groups in Afghanistan and the broader region start to incorporate issues involving the Uyghurs in their, their messaging and in their propaganda. In other words, they brought attention to the fact that the, the Uyghurs, of course, a heavily rep repressed Muslim community in China, is suffering. And in particular, the, the Pakistani Taliban, which is linked to the Afghan Taliban ideologically and operationally to an extent that they are separate groups. Pakistan focuses on Pakistan. The Afghan Taliban focuses on Afghanistan. The Pakistani Taliban has been very focused on Uyghurs. In fact, one of the reasons why the Pakistani Taliban has stepped up attacks in Pakistan on Chinese targets in recent months is because of its anger about how the Uyghur community is treated. But it's striking that the Taliban in Afghanistan, the main Taliban, has really been fairly quiet about the issue of Uyghurs. And the Taliban in Afghanistan has often gone out of its way to uh, underscore the fact that it doesn't have concerns and interests outside of Afghanistan. Its interests are very parochial. It's focused on establishing an emirate in Afghanistan and everything that comes with that. In the past, it has said, for example, that it does not want to get involved in the Kashmir dispute, even though it would have an opportunity to exploit these grievances that many Muslims in Kashmir and around the region have about how Kashmiri Muslims are treated by Indian security forces. But it stayed out of that. Uh, in recent days, it has taken a bit of a different approach, but for the most part, the Taliban has said it's not interested in Kashmir. And the same with the issue of China and the Uyghurs. Now, I think one reason for that could be very tactical, so to speak. I think that the Taliban sees China as a key country, one that it would want to engage with. And I think it sees China as a country that would conceivably be one of the first countries to recognize the Taliban government. And that's not important just because, you know, the Taliban would like to have recognition 
immigration from China, but also because of the financial assistance that could come with that. In other words, you know, if, it's, if you recognize the Taliban government, you're in a better position to provide financial support. China, of course, is a very capital-rich country and is in a position to provide financial support that the Taliban very much wants and in fact very much needs given the severe economic distress in Afghanistan now. So I think that there's no way, there's no better way to alienate the Chinese than by suddenly bringing attention to this problem, to how Uyghurs are treated in the country. China, of course, is very sensitive about this. And so for the Taliban to say, no, we see the Eton, we see these Uyghur militants as our brothers, we're not going to go after them. Clearly that would not play well with Beijing. And this is a rarity because I think on the whole, as I alluded to earlier, the Taliban has no interest in curbing militant groups, with the exception of ISIS Khorasan, which is a rival. But if you talk about Al-Qaeda, if you talk about the Pakistani Taliban, if you talk about India-focused terror groups like Lashkar-e Taiba that have a presence in Afghanistan, you're not going to see the Taliban doing anything about them because it doesn't really have a strong interest in curbing those groups. But it's different with these Uyghur militants just because the Taliban knows that they're very concerning for China. The Taliban wants to have a good relationship with China, in my view. So I think that that gives it reason to go after it, so to speak. I think another reason why the Taliban would not feel a strong need to go out of its way to help Uyghur militants in Afghanistan is that they don't do much in Afghanistan. They don't, they've never really done much to help the Taliban fight. It's a relatively small group, the Eton. Much of its damage has been done in Syria, where it's been uh, involved in these foreign fighter efforts. It hasn't really been doing much in Afghanistan. So it's not like Eton has been helpful to the Taliban on the battlefield in the past, and the Taliban owes it to Etim and the Uyghur militants that comprise it to allow them to stay there. So my point here is that you know, the Taliban has been very quiet about the Uyghurs because it feels there's no need for it to get into issues outside of Afghanistan, but also really just because its interests are best served by staying quiet on the plight of the Uyghur militant uh, community, at least for now, because it wants to get that Chinese recognition and that Chinese financial support. You mentioned that China, and we know that China is a capital-rich country. I'm curious about China's in interest in Afghanistan. How can China benefit from this relationship with the Taliban? We have heard rumors about investment in infrastructure in Afghanistan. What can we expect? Is China's interest only geopolitical? Yeah, so Marina, I see China having two core interests in Afghanistan, which have been fairly consistent for a number of years. One is to somehow establish a, an environment in Afghanistan that is conducive for Chinese investment. There's been a lot of talk over the years about China's footprint in Afghanistan and this copper mine that it owns. But in reality, China has not been much of an economic player in Afghanistan. It's been fairly quiet, which is striking because China doesn't let security threats and stability concerns get in the way of its investments. I mean, it's gone into parts of sub-Saharan Africa and even Southeast Asia that are very volatile with a lot of security risks. China's been perfectly happy to invest there. But China has, has stayed out of Afghanistan because of the war. But it's wanted to create a more, it's wanted there to be a more stable environment so that it can invest. It wants to bring investments linked to the Belt and Road Initiative there. So that's one objective is to figure out a way to ensure that it can go in there and start doing infrastructure and knowing that those, those, those investments will be safe. And second interest is linked to the first one, gets into what we were talking about before. It wants to have its main security threats degraded. It wants Eton to be dealt with. It does not want Eton to be a threat. It ideally wants things to be done on its behalf so that it doesn't have to go in there itself to take care of Eton. I don't think it would want to do that, but it wants that threat to be gone. And I think that China views um, the Taliban as a 
useful interlocutor that could be helpful in that regard. So getting to your question, you know, the fact that it's, it's, its first main interest in Afghanistan is to be able to go in there and do more investing, it sees the Taliban as a, a player that will be supportive of that. And indeed, the Taliban in the past has formally endorsed foreign infrastructure projects so long as they um, uh, so long as they help advance national development goals. So that's the term that Taliban has used. Uh, and there's no reason to think that Chinese infrastructure projects would not, if you're talking about bridges and roads and things like that. Also, the Taliban has very interestingly signed off on the TAPI pipeline, which of course is a an under construction project that is backed by the US. And it also includes India, which is not exactly a friend of the Taliban's. And so one would think that if the Taliban is willing to endorse TAPI, why would, have, why would it have any problems with Chinese infrastructure? And indeed, in recent days, we've started to hear Taliban leaders signify their strong support for the Belt and Road Initiative and for their desire to engage with China on infrastructure. So I think it's really no problem for the Chinese. I don't really think they'll have any trouble getting the Taliban to sign off on the idea of Chinese infrastructure investment projects. China will not need to worry about the Taliban you know, sponsoring actors that would attack these projects. That would not be an issue. Of course, for China, there'd be other security threats. We know that the Taliban does not have a monopoly on the use of violence. And so, you know, ISIS, for example, could well try to blow up Chinese infrastructure projects. And there's not much the Taliban could do about that because they're rivals. And then you have other, you know, these criminal gangs that have over the years blown up electricity infrastructure for their own reasons. Obviously, that could pose a threat to Chinese infrastructure as well. So just because it gets Taliban buy-in for for investments in Afghanistan does not mean that these investments will be safe. So there still will need to be some caution on the part of the Chinese. But I think that given that the war has ended in Afghanistan for now, given that the Taliban will, the Taliban government will likely sign off on these infrastructure projects, I think that would give the Chinese enough assurances to go in there where they'd only have to worry about ISIS and, and some of these other threats. But as I said before, they are willing to take on some risk in their investment calculations. And last but not least, this whole situation of the approach between the Taliban and China, do you see the rivalry between the US and China increasing? Or do you see a potential partnership between both of them? It's a good question. One thing that's always struck me about Afghanistan in the US-China context is that the rivalry does not play out as intensely there as it does in, in many other parts of the world, including other parts of South Asia, such as you know India and some of these smaller countries of South Asia, where you have China deepening its footprint and trying to sort of gain influence in areas where India has lost it and so on and so forth. But Afghanistan, you look at what's happening there, China and the US have really shared the same interests in Afghanistan. They have wanted there to be more stability and they wanted there to be less terrorism. They both support more economic development and more prosperity, ultimately more stability. And in that regard, they both supported a peace and reconciliation process. They both supported a negotiated outcome to the war where the Taliban would have a degree of power. Uh, now, obviously, for the US and likely China, they would have preferred that it not be the Taliban having taken over completely. But my point is that there were a, a fair number of, of convergences, for sure, between the two sides. And so it's notable that before the Taliban took over, when there was still hope for having this, this peace process play out, that the US was participating in a number of diplomatic engagements with China on the Afghanistan front. And the most prominent example is the Troika Plus arrangement, which was a quad group essentially of the US, China, 
Pakistan and Russia as well, where they met several times over the last two years to discuss paths towards uh, reconciliation and peace in Afghanistan. And the idea was to encourage the Taliban to recommit it, and the Taliban and the Afghan government to commit themselves to peace talks. So what this suggests to me is that the U.S. was willing to decouple its bilateral tensions with China in order to get involved in this regional diplomacy on Afghanistan with countries that include China. And again, we saw this with Russia, too. It's a similar situation. Now, with the U.S. having left, though, is the dynamic changes, for sure. The U.S. is not going to be as engaged. It's not going to be involved in regional diplomatic efforts for peace because it's a different state of affairs now. But that said, I think that conceivably there could still be some scope for cooperation, particularly looking at the area of counterterrorism here. I think that both the U.S. and China worry a lot about ISIS Khorasan. ETIM is a different case. You know, the U.S. doesn't consider it a threat. And in fact, the U.S., as I recall, delisted ETIM from its groups of formal of designated foreign terrorist organizations. But ISIS-K, they both worry about that group a lot. So to the extent that you can have regional mechanism in which you could have the U.S. and China sort of trying to discuss common paths forward to deal with the ISIS-K threat, clearly the U.S. has its own plans to deal with ISIS-K by using these over-the-horizon capacities. And it's suggested that it may look to the Taliban as a counterterrorism partner, which is an interesting thought. Both share a concern about ISIS-K. But, you know, China, of course, is a regional player. It's, it's basically a neighbor of Afghanistan. And it has an even more immediate need, reason to be concerned about ISIS-K. So the extent that you continue to have mechanisms for regional dialogues, regional efforts to come together to build common ground on how to deal with shared threats in Afghanistan, I think that counterterrorism is one of these areas where we could see the U.S. and China uh, working together. When it comes to investment, the answer is no. I mean, the U.S. cannot hold a candle to what China has already been able to do with investment and the infrastructure projects in South and Central Asia. And it's certainly not going to be able to do much once its military presence is gone. And the U.S. has indeed sought to use infrastructure development as a tool to push back against China and counterbalance it. And you know, the Indo-Pacific policy and the tools associated with it, including the International Development Finance Corporation, these are mechanisms that are meant to back new infrastructure projects in the developing world to provide an alternative to Chinese projects. But these are all envisioned to take place elsewhere, not in places like Afghanistan. They're more envisioned to take place in, in the Indo-Pacific region and East Asia, because that's a region that the U.S. sees as a much more strategically significant place than the likes of Afghanistan and Central Asia, because it's where the U.S. has its treaty allies, Japan and South Korea and others, many of whom are directly threatened by Chinese provocations and aggressive actions, including in the South China Sea. The U.S. officials have never thought of Afghanistan as a strategically significant space as they do East Asia. They were basically going to see the U.S. cede Afghanistan to China and to Chinese influence. And the U.S. basically will, it'll have to live with that. But I think it'll be willing to live with that just because it knows that it generally shares the same interests as China there. And at the end of the day, it has its eyes on other parts of the world to, to focus on its rivalry with China. Well, we could go on and on about what the future holds for Afghanistan. But unfortunately, our time is almost done. Thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you very much. I enjoyed discussing this with you. This is Marina Guimarães for Wikistrat.